0: This episode of The Horror Basement is brought to you by CreepyCon Halloween and Horror Convention at the World's Fair Exhibition Hall in downtown Knoxville, August 24th through the 25th. For more information, go check them out at CreepyConKnoxville.com. If you know what's best for you, you check out our sponsors, Nightmare Toys, where all your horror collectible needs are. Southern Sun, Tanning and Boutique. That's where you can get Tennessee Horror new shirts and much, much more. Macabre Melts. The Smell of Horror is Near. Full Moon Cineplex. The House of Indie Horror. And we can't forget. Vaughn Grimm Productions. Where if you need a mask, they got you covered.
1: Hi, I'm Bill Mosley, and you're in the Horror Basement with Jim Jam and Johnny Leroy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lick my plate, you dog bitch. Welcome to the Horror Basement. In horror news podcast, I am one of your hosts Johnny Leroy and as always, Jim Jam is here with us. Jim Jam here. What is up, guys? Remember, CreepyCon is this weekend. This is this is it. This yeah. is the main event.
2: This is the go home show.
0: Yes, the go home show for CreepyCon. Go check this shit out. Tell your friends. Just tell your friends. Tell everybody. This is Be this. there. Hey. This if you, is. Look, if you're not there, you don't love Halloween, and you don't love horror. How about that? How about that? Yeah. How about that? Yeah.
2: There and you go. This is the Summer Slam of the events of Tennessee. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, so today uh, we have uh, uh, Judas Walko. Is that the name? How do yeah, you pronounce Walko. It? yeah, Walko. Walko from uh, writer, director, and actor as the vicar. Vicar? Vicar. My bad. Yeah. Vicar. In The Incantation from 2018.
2: With Dean Cain. Super. Yes. I don't know if they said this,
0: but it had 10 awards. Did y'all bring up the 10 no, awards? No, we didn't. Well, y'all suck. I wasn't on here. Uh, I let Yeti fill in. He really liked this movie, so therefore I let him fill in. My bitch ass wasn't here. Nope. Is that were... what is that what was said? Yeah, yeah that was Johnny, was. Uh, we
2: called Johnny a bitch ass. Yeah, so
0: you'll as you, hear that. As, you, as you'll hear. You'll hear. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate Yeti stepping in and uh, doing that. And it was... What? It was so funny. I just... <laughs> What, why are you laughing for it, luxuri- big guy?
2: You have a luxurious beard, Johnny. Thank
0: you, thank you. It's been growing. It's almost been a year. Well, how about three months away from a year? So yeah, my goatee's growing. So yeah, guys, uh, as always, find us on. We're all nice and beautiful. Podcasts are listened at. Yes. <laughs> nice and beautiful podcast. I don't, I don't know.
2: And but, I, yeah. but I use Castbox, so it's a good. Place. Yeah, there
0: you go. And uh, follow us on every social media T and horror news. News. Is it Teen Horror News? Yeah. Oh wait, it's Teen Horror dog. Yeah, Man, I, I've been doing this three years and I still fuck it up.
2: Hey, in a couple months we're coming up on a three year anniversary yeah. of the podcast.
0: Show sure enough. Show sure enough.
2: <clears throat> Hopefully we can uh, do something nice.
0: We'll do something nice for you you peoples out there.
2: Hey, maybe we can, maybe they'll have a good weekend. They'll show something at Full Moon Cineplex so
0: we can just... Well, you know, it is October 1st is the... So, we'll see what's
2: playing, and maybe we can make an event out of it.
0: Yeah, maybe. We'll see. So, yep. Away we go. Oh, really? (laughs) 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 Ha (laughs) ha (laughs) ha, got you, bitch. Looked at your phone.
2: Away (laughs) we go. What's going on, guys? Uh, We have Jude S. Walco here with us, and Yeti is also here filling in for... Johnny, because his bitch-ass couldn't be here.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, Johnny, I don't
3: know you, but I'm going to call you bitch-ass if they are. I'm going to have to vote yes on that. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Folks, folks. <laughs> That's
2: so, great. how are things going, Jude?
3: Good, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Things are going great. I'm, uh, I'm currently out in... Uh, LA right now just wrapping up some stuff
2: are you working on a new project or anything you talk Mm -hmm. about or
3: yeah well this one I'm just kind of a hired gun on but I am uh, trying to put together my next uh, I'm out here for two reasons one you know the incantation which we'll talk about is uh, just released on July 31st so not too long ago so we're doing a big PR push for that so I'm out here meeting with the distributors and stuff and trying to make an international deal and all and work on marketing and stuff like that. So that's, that's, that's almost like a full-time job alone.
2: Yeah.
3: And then, uh, and then, uh, putting together our next thing, um, we're hoping to do, uh, I wrote a script called the unhallowed horseman, which is a re take on uh, sleepy hollow legend of sleepy hollow, but it's one, that hasn't been done yet. I mean, there was the awesome Tim Burton one and then there was the, there was the so-so Fox show that kind of got crazy. It went, it went sci-fi and weird, but it started off well enough, but I, I have a contemporary take that dips back into the rich history and stuff, so I'm excited about getting that one off the ground, hopefully next.
1: Mm-hmm. It's to it like a cool
3: project. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I, I think
1: I remember that show too, the one I, I like watched Part yeah of
3: the season and just kind of like, eh. yeah exactly they 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 started to get all weird with like sci-fi and time travel and then they basically added any possible character they could like you know vampires and witches and goblins and like stuff that didn't really fit the storyline I felt so but that that often happens when you got a studio because you got you know, 10 creative people with all different ideas and they, they don't necessarily stick to a singular vision, which is why I like independent film so much is it's for better or for worse. It's a pretty much a singular vision that, uh, you know, the, the, the downside of course is you don't have the studio's resources and money and marketing and all the big stuff, but, but you get way more creative say over it. So you can really tell a tale that is, uh, not necessarily mainstream, you know? You yeah, balance
1: out the the budget aspect, being able to tell a good story. It doesn't matter if it's a
3: yeah
1: it's a blockbuster. You can tell a good
3: right. story, right? Right, absolutely. And and then people love that. You know, people like story. That's the main thing. Um, if you can get that down, then uh, the rest will eventually fall in place. And then and then eventually, some studio will notice you and a bunch of money behind your stuff. But then you're back into compromising you know for the sake of the for the commercial merchandising aspect which is not always a good thing you know it's like you see all these great like robert rodriguez is a perfect example you know he did mariachi and then he did desperado and then he ended up doing the spy kids Kids franchise but like you know you can't blame the guy he's he's amazing i mean he, he did sin city and he works at tarantino and all that crazy stuff but every now and then you gotta sort of kowtow to the uh, the mainstream and do us buy kids. You know, that's kind of the deal. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta, sometimes you got to buy kids. Buy kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, you, and,
2: uh, yeah, you got to yeah. pay the bills somehow. That's right.
3: That's right. And it, like like Tim, Tim Burton's another guy like that. Like I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, but he does like, you know, he'll do something crazy like Ed Wood. Like, that's such a almost an indie film that he did that because it wasn't really mainstream and studios are like making making a movie about a failed director seems ridiculous so he'll do he'll do an Ed Wood and he'll do a Dark Shadows but then he has to do Alice in Wonderland or you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to counterbalance that to keep relevant and keep the studios happy you know all that kind of stuff
2: yeah,
3: well, yeah get, that, are... get that get that fat
1: payday
3: yeah no that should be a good payday <laughs> Yeah, that,
2: so that can help fund his, uh, I guess what they want to call passion projects or something.
3: Right. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. So you do a couple of big ones and make some big money and then go off and do the passion projects. That's exactly right. Well,
2: uh, yeah. Well, you know, one thing in this, uh, we'll go ahead and get into inclination. Uh, I hope I said yeah. that right.
3: Um, Incantation. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> real quick. One thing I noticed, man, your your, your beard is on point.
3: <laughs> thank you man thank you
2: but uh, but, uh you dyed it obviously <laughs> right
3: yeah yeah i did dye it. yeah i got gray hairs now so i dyed it black for that because you know going back to the old school villains they're all you know wearing black and black black hair and dark evil looking dudes so uh I got, you know, I I've been in the business for like 25, 30 years, so I got lots of gray hairs to show for it. So I did <laughs> dye it, but 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 the length is real, the hair is real. Uh, I did cut my hair since then; it's growing back now. But uh, yeah, all that, all my hair and my beard in the in the in the movie is 100% real, other than the color.
2: So uh, so no weave there, huh? No weave, man, because that <laughs>
3: never looks good on film. That does, always you can always tell, especially now with digital, like it's so you know. Yeah. Looks really bad, so
2: I had to I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I couldn't even do a weave anyways because I'm completely bald. <laughs>
3: nice,
2: nice. <laughs> Just had to glue a wig to my head. <laughs> right,
3: that'll work. <laughs>
2: yeah. Also, with uh, Yeti too, he's bald as hell too.
1: Oh,
3: really? Yeah.
2: Well, he's got a ponytail.
3: Is it- oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not giving
2: up that easily, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> He's hanging on, damn it. Yeah,
3: that's right. Until it all goes, one last ponytail, damn it.
2: I had a ponytail yes. when I was a when I was a kid. I had a ponytail because I was a Billy Ray Cyrus fan. Damn it, I was oh, cool. I was trying to grow me a mullet, but I could never get it done.
3: Oh, that's awesome, man. I uh, I got a funny Billy Ray Cyrus story. Kind of, I did this movie that I uh, produced back in the day. I think, it, I think it was called Down the PCH. It was a little independent. And the casting director, who's actually the same casting director on Incantation, her name's Valerie McCaffrey, she was good friends with Billy Ray Cyrus. Because mm-hmm. they, I don't know, they had ran in the same circles back in the day. And Billy Ray said, we were casting for this little movie, Down the PCH, and he said, hey, uh, my daughter might want to get into the business. It'd be really cool if you... If you uh, hire her, you know, she's never acted before. And the director, who's this guy named Shawn Michael Byer, um, he was like, okay, what's her name? he's like, oh, her, her name, she goes by Miley, Miley Cyrus. And he's like, oh, cool. We And, and we saw her tape, and he's like, you know what, I, I'm just not feeling it. She's a little too young. She doesn't have any experience. You know, I think I'll pass on her. Well, obviously, he uh, he regretted that. <laughs> because it would have been her first movie, so then all her fans would have, all, of course, went back and seen the movie because she was in it. But he passed on her, so uh, she wasn't in it. But uh, that was a, you know, could have been a whole different story if it had went a different way.
2: Well, then, oh, yeah. then, then yeah. maybe we wouldn't have a uh, *Wrecking Ball* either. So damn it!
3: That, <laughs> right, so it's probably that's right.
2: That spawned some awesome parody videos. So I'm kind of glad she wasn't <laughs> yeah. in that movie.
3: Yeah. I'll tell you one. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, man. That song "Party in the USA" was so catchy. I remember shooting in Texas, and uh, that thing came on, and all, the whole crew didn't matter if they were fifty or fifteen. You just couldn't help but sing that song, man. That thing was catchy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like it was like the flu, man. <laughs> totally, it's crazy. Yeah, well, well, first, man, I like to hang tell. Out with a
1: bunch of metal dudes. And, oh, God, yeah, my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, one thing we do is we veer off into a whole different direction. But uh, yeah, so so <clears throat> you wrote the you wrote this uh, the inclination, right?
3: Yeah, I did. I wrote it. Um, it uh, it's sort of. I, I people don't know this about me, but I was in the seminary back in the day, uh, going to be a Catholic priest, which is crazy because people know me now, and they're, that's complete opposite of what I am. <laughs> but. <laughs> but <laughs> But back in the day i did so uh i studied a lot of, uh, theology and, and languages and literature and stuff so a lot of that helped uh with the incantation because of the backstory and basically i took all the you know certain, the quote-unquote like holy and, and uh spiritual religious things and i turned them into dark evil occult things i basically flipped them uh so like you have in catholicism you have the holy trinity and ours you have like the three you know like the the evil father and the uh holy spirit the evil spirit and then the bastard son instead of the other way that kind of thing and like if if you watch the movie you know how it ends and you know there's like a sort of like a catholic ritual but it's turned on its head and kind of pagan and satanic and occult witchcraft kind of stuff in there all right, yeah, so, you know, as I was saying, basically, yeah, we did a black mass, which is uh, something that you read about in, like, the cult and, and witchcraft and all that stuff because, um, actually, the area we shot in France has a, a history, uh, sort of like Salem, you know, like, they had witch trials and all that stuff. Back in the day, they had this place called the uh, Valet, the Valet Witch Trials, and they came down from like uh, northern Europe down through France and stuff. So I, I did a little bit of research about all that stuff and try to tie it into the, the local folklore and give it give this story sort of a more interesting backstory. That's
1: that's, that's kind of what I had wondered while I was watching it if there was some sort of tie to the area or something. That's really cool.
3: Yeah, and man, it's so I don't know if you guys have ever been to France. It was my first time, but. Uh, it's so crazy cuz there's there's castles everywhere because back back in the day you know like they would each it was basically super wealthy people and they would have either a chateau or a castle and then the village would be built around that castle. So the result is nowadays you can be walking in the woods or down in the country and there's a giant castle like in the middle of nowhere that used to belong to some former nobleman or or very wealthy person or a royalty or whoever it's crazy man
2: it's
3: really, cool. yeah,
2: it's really cool yeah yeah i've never been to france or i've never been out of this country
1: yeah um, yeah, yeah
2: my my bank account limits that <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure but uh okay
3: uh this, so the-
2: this movie was filmed in 25 days right
3: Yeah, that's correct, yeah.
2: Is there, you got any tips for anybody trying to make a movie in a short period of time?
3: Yeah, actually I do. Um, I, shooting in 25 days is a luxury, especially on an independent film. Um, I was lucky enough to basically get the castle uh, sort of donated to me to, to use... Um, so that I was lucky enough to be able to prep there for a month, and then I got to stay there and shoot for 25 days. But that's that's not the norm. I mean, sometimes we shoot movies in 12 or 13 days or 18 days if it's a real small independent. Um, and my, my tips for that is, like, you have to – when you schedule a movie, you have to pri- prioritize what it is. But um, I would say when you're writing your script, you know, after you get the first – first pass or two done take a good look at the day or night sequences because remember you're going to be a lot of times especially on the independent you're not going to be able to afford um to light up an entire nighttime exterior so uh it's it's and horror movies a lot of course a lot of the, a lot of it takes place at night so think about that when you're putting your script together Um, and know that you're probably going to clump your day scenes and your night scenes together. Um, and then of course, what actors, what characters are playing in those scenes. So you might have an actor that you have to get out sooner rather than later. So those kinds of things you have to all take into consideration. So, um, it's more about when you're scheduling your movie, um, try to clump those things together so that you're not going back to the same location over and over again, day and night and day and night and day and night. You shoot all your days together, shoot all your nights together, shoot your main actors out together, especially if you're bringing in, like I was lucky enough to get Dean Kane. If you got somebody like that, who's not going to stick around for the whole shoot, clump their days together as much as possible. Um, and that'll be, that'll help you cut down your time, your shooting time. Cause you're not redressing sets and prepping them and striking them and then going back and doing it over and over and over again. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> what do they call it? Is that called block shooting or something?
3: Yeah. Block shooting is uh, that's a little different block shooting is when you're a lot of times it's done when you're running out of time um, and you don't have the luxury to do a, you know, 60 setups. So what you do is you shoot everything in one direction. So, Everything facing one wall, you might shoot a wide and then a master and then single coverage on the actors, and then you flip around, we call that flip in the world, you look the other direction, you light it for the other direction, and then you shoot the wide and the, uh, the master and, then, and the medium and the singles looking that way. But that's a way to save time, because otherwise, you're moving all around a room or a location lighting different patches, um, and it just, t- it just eats up your time um and most independents don't have the luxury of lighting an entire set to look every angle and nor does it look good if you do that so but block shooting is another way to uh to make it faster just basically shoot everything looking the same direction and then shoot the other directions
2: and is it when you go into post you uh you edit it together how you need to
3: yeah so so you do but the problem is that's that's a little problematic because when you're when you're directing you have to picture how it's going to go on screen in your mind. So you're constantly, you know, you're doing shot list, you're figuring out how it's going to play back on screen, um, and that's really important, especially for independent directors, because uh, if you don't have a shot list and your shots aren't planned out, what's going to happen is you're going to shoot and your actors are going to go home and you're not going to have the, your crew and your actors and your equipment, and then you're going to realize there's a bunch of shots missing or they don't play together because you didn't plan it out. You just said, well, I'll just shoot this any direction. So shot listing is a super important thing. Um, And then watching the footage, like nowadays it's digital, so you can just watch the footage at lunchtime or the night. night I watched it twice a day. I watched it once at lunch and then I watched it at the end of the day to make sure I got everything. Um, And if there were shots missing – I knew I had to get them the next day or else I wasn't going to have that opportunity at all. Um, and and that's the way you do it too, because that happens so many times when you get into the editing bay and you're like, man, I I, sh- I should have had a close up of that person saying that line. I never got it. So now I don't have it, you know? So, yeah. um,
2: Especially working with, well, you, once you're in the edited bay or edit bay, you're pretty much yeah. done. And by the time you're in the edit bay, you're probably not in France anymore
3: yeah exactly that's the point so uh planning as much as possible we also do storyboards um so that you can because that's the other thing you know having it in your head as a director or or a writer director is one thing but explaining that to your dp your director of photography and the actors is another thing because they don't they're not in your head they don't know what you're looking at so storyboarding is a good way to do that to kind of show everyone on the crew, including the technical crew like the gaffer, who's the guy that lights it, and the DP, um, everybody down to the you know the camera operators and the focus pullers and the actors for hitting their marks and all that. The art department so they know which parts of the set to dress, because if you're in a big room, you can't afford to dress the entire room. But if you're if you know you're shooting up against one wall, you can just dress that one wall and not dress the entire room. So all those. All those kinds of things help save time and money, especially on the independent films.
1: Oh, man. Speaking of the dress and the set, there was a lot of really cool, like artwork, and then there was that uh, suit of armor and stuff. Yeah. Was that all part of the castle, or did you have to bring that in?
3: And uh... it's it was ha- it was half and half. They they have really good taste in uh, decorating there, so they did have a lot of cool stuff, like those giant paintings were already there. Uh, you see all those like cool, a lot of them were like uh, uh, middle ages stuff and night stuff and all that. That that stuff was there, but um, I brought in a production designer. I live in Thailand, and one of my good friends is an, is an award-winning uh, production designer named Butui Tawipasas. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. So he, as a favor to me, he came over to help do that. And what, what we did was every, every weekend of, France, they have these things called bro is which is essentially like a flea market you know yeah but uh but in france you know it's so old that people's flea markets are like all antiques, and there's like old knives and old paintings and uh all kinds of stuff like that so oh wow we, we could pick up a lot a bunch of cool stuff for our dressing and then and then a lot of the, some of that artwork was original. He would do that. Like he made the book, the Sorteglia book. He made that himself.
1: Oh, that, that thing was really
3: cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, How long did it take to edit this movie together and like, I guess, didn't post and all that?
3: Yeah, it took a while because uh, there were many, many steps. Like, for example, um, I had all the footage, which was a lot because uh, let's say you did between three and five takes for each take and then for really complicated ones you might do eight or ten right so you multiply all that and that's a lot of drives and a lot of <laughs> a lot of editing sure. so then i had to go i went back to thailand with the footage we had to, i had a copy my editors in uh in Arkansas, I had a copy, and then my business partner Dan had another copy because he always make redundant copies in case uh, a drive gets destroyed or the footage gets deleted or whatever. So I had to spend about a month just going through the shots and picking out the best ones. Which what was the best take, and which angles are the best, and which ones had uh, you know errors in them, continuity errors or mistakes or bad lines or whatever. So that took a month and then editing it, and then, so that took a couple months, so I, we finished filming in July, by Christmas time, I ha, I went to the editors in Arkansas, and I spent about two weeks doing a director's pass, and then by the time, and then another probably six months to do color correction, and then ADR, which is when, uh, uh, when the actor's lines are bad, and you have to dub them again, or holy work which is all the sound effects the music composing the sweetening all that stuff so to answer your question post-production took over a year probably a little bit over a year to complete all of that stuff which is wow which is pretty typical um if you have a studio you can do it way faster because you got you know 10 times more people working on it but but for an independent a year is actually a pretty pretty good pretty average if not good uh time span
2: i say it's pretty it's pretty tedious ain't it
3: oh yeah you're you're watching stuff over and over like i i'm i'm not lying i probably watched that film a hundred times between color correction and sound and music and acting and angles and edits and all that stuff Mm. so i know it by heart (laughs) because i wrote it (laughs) Yeah. yeah
2: I, uh <clears throat> on the underground stu- uh, scenes and stuff, where was
3: that filmed? Oh, that's a great question. So, we the, in Paris, there's a thing called the Catacombs of Paris, and that those are ancient tombs, and I don't know what they were originally meant for, but they're 60 feet below the surface of the of the, the street, and they're cut carved out of limestone, and there's apparently 300 kilometers of tunnels underneath the streets of paris so We tried to get into the official catacombs, but they have actual human remains in them like they they have said, you know millions of remains are there so they wouldn't let us shoot there, but They put us in touch with the uh, Capuchin quarry, which is essentially an extension of the catacombs. It's the same tunnels It's just not the ones where the bodies are where the bones are. Yeah, so uh, we got in touch with those guys, and they're like a non nonprofit. They're just like a historical society, and they're trying to upkeep the the those parts of the catacombs. So they were happy to have us film there. Um, we made a donation to them, and um, it was really cool because we were we were six feet underground, and you could it was so cold. Even though we shot in the summer, which was hot, you could see your breath down there because we were so far below ground. It was really cool. That's awesome
2: you, did you actually get to tour the cat the real catacombs where the bones were or can you no, not even go I didn't, in there I didn't
3: you can uh, I didn't go I didn't have time to do that um, but I think there are tours of it like once a week that you can go to but this but they told us that uh, it's so it's there's so many of them that people get lost and they die in there because if you start going down corridors and hallways and tunnels, it all looks the same at some point. It's like a maze, so you're gonna get lost, and then they can't find you. There's nothing they can do because you're underground. So they they say a lot of people get lost and end up, you know, just stranded and end up dying down there because they can't make their way out. It's just it's just 300 kilometers of tunnels. I mean, that's a lot.
2: <laughs> Man, that that would be yeah. insane to actually. So yeah. Man, I couldn't. I can't imagine the people that actually were that
3: dug that out. Like, oh, I know. And and just for reference, three hundred kilometers. I just typed it in. It's about one hundred and eighty six miles. So there's a hundred and eighty six miles of tunnels underneath Paris. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can see how you could get lost and never find your way out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy that yes. they don't have someone that actually went in there and like mapped it out or something.
3: Yeah, they have like really old hand-drawn maps, but they're not accurate anymore because over, you know, however many hundreds of years, certain parts have caved in. Some parts, now sewer lines, other parts have been uh, boarded up, you know, and and it's just impossible to, it, it they would have to, it would take a lot of effort to, to do it correctly, but it's pro-
2: Probably not worth it, that is is it?
3: it's not worth it but man it's a cool place i'll tell you it's really creepy too because you just can imagine because there there are like i said millions of uh remains down there so you're essentially you know in a underground sarcophagus you know yeah <laughs> so you can imagine walking, and, uh, there, walking around there yeah and it and it's just dark tunnels and it's creepy it's cool man it's really cool so, like of
2: so um <clears throat> I guess you can watch this movie about any platform you can think of.
3: Yeah, it's out digitally everywhere. So it's on iTunes. It's on. Uh, it's on uh, Amazon. You can rent it in Redbox, at Family Video. You can buy it uh, online in Walmart or Target or Best Buy, Barnes and Noble. Like it's any anywhere. If you type, if you type the incantation in Google, you'll probably get a bunch of places where you can buy it or rent it. Oh yeah.
1: All right, you had Dean Kane. I, I remember Dean Kane as like Superman.
3: Yeah, man. exactly. And,
1: uh, you look at his IMDb; and it's a bunch of Lifetime movies and stuff. Uh, <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: It's kind of a spoiler,
3: but he's not
1: a good person. No, he's in not. This. How did yeah. he like? He came across on screen great, but how how easy was it for him to take to that complete departure of his like entire career? Like, yeah, did he totally. Pretty
3: really well. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think I think a, a little industry secret is is that these guys that get a typecast and pigeonholed into a certain uh, certain type, they love to work outside of that box. So Dean loved it. I mean, I think that's probably the main reason he said yes to the project because obviously he gets paid a whole lot more on bigger shows. But, right. Uh, but I think he loved the fact that he was outside of his comfort zone and that he was playing a, essentially a bad guy. I mean, he, his, his name is Abe Baden, which is short for a Baden, so you can look that up. I mean,
1: yeah.
3: the devil. Um, so, yeah, so he, he, and he did it great. I mean, he's, he's a consummate professional, that guy. He's, the, he's been acting forever. And as you know, he was Superman and Ventures the lowest of so uh, yeah, he he's great. He's a really great guy. Uh, super professional, super nice, and he uh, he stayed with us in the castle as well. So it was great. I got to I had worked with him about ten years earlier on a show in Texas. So I I knew him sort of, uh, but not. I wasn't really close with him. And then when I reached out to him, he remembered that I had done him a scheduling favor, and he remembered it. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, man, I'll help you out. This is great." So I I, I was really lucky because honestly, if I didn't have Dean. I don't think anyone would have seen my film simply because, you know, there's so many independent films, and if you don't have a celebrity attached, it's really hard to get them out there. I mean, you got to get really lucky. Yeah. So I feel I feel really blessed that he did it. He was awesome. He, he killed it.
1: He really did. He did. You know, when you see him in something like this, uh, you kind of realize that he's, he's got the face for it. Yeah, and he does. His, his brow structure and his eyes, he's got the –
3: yeah, if you wanted to not the face of a villain, and he was good. Man, if you <laughs> it, there's a scene where where uh, where Lucy, the main character, is rummaging around, and he walks in on her. And if you watch that scene, it's probably maybe a 15 or 20 second take on Dean. He does not blink his eyes, man. Like, oh, shit. I, I asked him afterward, and I was like, man, I was like, are you a demon? <laughs> <laughs> Are you some sort of alien? Like, you didn't blink for, like, 20 seconds. He was like, oh, man, I just... He's like, I trained myself to do that on certain." And I was like, man, that was... That one subtle thing just made that so much creepier, you know? Like, I was like... Yeah. That is, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's the thing is, he's got that face where you're used to seeing him as, like, the boyfriend or the cop or the football coach. So when he turns into that other dude, you're like, man, that is creepy. That's just weren't expecting it yeah <laughs> it was
1: it was it was good to see it was good to see him like i haven't seen him in anything in years yeah because uh, that's just what i mean what he usually does is just not my thing but seeing him again seeing yeah. him as who he was and, and yeah i oh, it was so cool
3: i, I agree <laughs> yeah I, I was really glad he agreed to do it it was, great. It was cool dude
2: so we talked about Incarnation. I was talking to you online. I started. You know, I saw your picture, and I was like, "Man, he looks so familiar." And then I got to thank him. Yeah. Natural born prankster. What was it like working with? Well, I guess you would say huge YouTubers.
3: Yeah, influencers. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was that was great. I uh, I, I normally do feature films in the studio world, so it was interesting because I had never worked with influencers before. So the first one, I think, was Roman Atwood and Vitaly and Dennis Rohde and Chase Gilroy, and we did Natural Born Pranksters. And it's it's crazy because, like, in the film world, you know, like, people have a lot of experience and they, they've they been on sets for a long time and it took, take, took them time to get to where they are. In the influencer world on YouTube, that person usually just, like, straight out of high school they started making videos, like, on their phone or whatever. So... It's real interesting because in their, in their platform, like on YouTube, they're pretty famous and they make a, some of them like Roman make a ton of money doing that as much as a celebrity. Right. But they don't have the training of, of like being on a set and hitting your marks and showing up on time and all that kind of stuff that comes with a professional business. So it's real interesting to try to marry those two things together. But those guys were great. They, they uh, ended up getting it right away, and of course, uh, by the very type, by the very definition of the movie, they're a bunch of pranksters. And as as you know, if you watch their videos, they're just they're just crazy dudes. So, so it was a lot of fun, man. We had a lot of fun making that movie.
2: So, did Roman come up with uh, what was it? What did he uh, nickname you? Uh,
3: the, Hol- the Hollywood Hobro? Yeah. <laughs> I think he did actually. I, I can't remember. I think he did. Yeah. I remember, uh, I think he said one day he was like, man, you look like you're homeless. We should do a little bit. Let's, let's shoot a little bit. So we shot a bit. Uh, I think the first one was where I was like sleeping by a tree or something like that. Yeah. he's like, he's like, Hey Jude, it's, like, <laughs> it's time to go to work. Get up buddy. And, he, and he like, and then we did a bunch of skits on his channel and, and that actually got really popular. I got a bunch of fans of uh, uh, Roman's fans that started and like a lot of them thought I was really homeless and stuff so like oh man it's so nice of Roman to help that <laughs> <out."> <laughs> they didn't realize I was a producer on the movie um, so we we played it out for a little bit and then I started my own channel on YouTube the Hollywood Hobro and it, it went for a while and I started doing vlogs and stuff but uh, eventually Roman did his own thing I still I keep in touch with him a little bit uh, I keep in touch with Vitaly and Dennis and Chase more than Roman because Roman is so busy all the time. But uh, yeah, it's, it was funny. It had a life of its own for a minute there, and people went crazy. And people still recognize me. They're like, "Oh man, you're the Hollywood Hell Bro." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Roman Roman seems like a really really sweet guy. I
3: yeah. watch I
1: uh, I don't really watch his stuff, but I watch a, uh, Demolition Ranch Matt character. Yeah, they do a lot of crossover stuff. Roman always seems really cool on there.
3: Yeah, he is. I mean, there's like, a, like those group of guys from Ohio—Roman and Chase and Dennis. Man, they're just like, you know, they're just like super nice people, family-oriented, family-first kind of thing. Um, and the internet just gave them the ability to like make a, a good living off of it, and uh, and and they they sort of don't forget their roots, you know, which is a good thing oh yeah Yeah, that's always nice because as much
2: money as you know i'm sure roman's he's probably set for life now
3: oh yeah i think so he he
2: stays in ohio you know he could easily move because he you know always says in his videos that he loves the ocean but yeah he he stays where he's at
3: yeah exactly that's that's exactly right and he stays grounded too which is good yeah well Uh,
2: well if you see his videos now you see that i wouldn't mind staying there because he's got a huge pond now (laughs) yeah with all that and he's got all kinds of toys so yeah yeah you know what's a plane trip to the beach you know you come back home to your own yeah playland or whatever
3: right exactly exactly yeah
2: so yeah well yeah that's what i wanted to definitely bring up because that's where i recognized you from because i used to religiously watch his videos well which now he don't do daily no more which is understandable being yeah but uh you know that's one thing too that's pretty crazy is he's doing make a wish stuff and that oh, yeah. has to be pretty um pretty over not overwhelming but what's the word yeah i can't i don't know what i'm trying to say but yeah
1: <laughs> it's heartbreaking White bullshit <laughs> I, mean, I mean yeah it probably feels good really good to do you know like but rewarding just, yeah. yeah, rewarding, but also it's kind of like it's gotta hurt you at the end of the day. Oh yeah, these
3: kids are like on their deathbed. Fuck, yeah, yeah. Like, Fuck, that's sad, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: So, uh, for sure. so was it uh, getting back to the? It was Was it a lot of fun shooting, watching these pranks and and stuff? And
3: yeah, it was. It was crazy, man. Because uh, sometimes, sometimes, like. I, the one I'll never forget is, if you remember watching that, there's one where there's, like, these um, these guys that have these uh, – they're, like, from East L.A. and they have these, uh, like, low riders and stuff like that. Yeah. And some of those guys, you know, some of – a few of them had, like, some checkered paths. Like, they were ex-gang uh, members and criminals and stuff. So – so we were out there, and in that, in that skit, if you remember, they're pretending like they're stealing gas out of these really nice cars, you know? Yeah. So, so like, we're pretending, we're pretending that we're shooting the cars for, like, a reality show, and Dennis and I are, like, interviewing people, and then, like, Roman and Vitaly are pretending to steal gas out of these uh, really nice, really expensive lowriders. Now, mind you, all these dudes are, like, super buff, it's like part of their club they're all like super huge muscular dudes the guys are interviewing so man some of those i remember hearing one guy go uh one guy was like hey man i i got a knife on me i'm about to cut you like i'll pull this knife out and cut you like he was seriously he thought it was for real you know like (laughs) (laughs) and i remember that that there was one guy with a cigar if you remember that guy and like vitality's like like uh like getting in his face and then he takes off his belt the guy takes off his belt and he starts like smacking Vitaly with his belt and stuff so that was a little scary because there were times that we thought man we don't know like this is all people are reacting off of uh you know their their natural actions. they don't know it's a show they don't know they're getting pranked at the time so anything could happen oh shit! that was a crazy one there was another one that was really scary uh where if you remember that we, we have these outhouses, right? And then, like, the, the prank is that the, the girl is in on it, but, like, the boyfriend isn't. And she, she says, I'm going to go, you know, take the shit or whatever. And she goes in the outhouse. And then, and then the prankster, Battalion and Roman and them were driving a truck, and they take out the outhouse. Like, they killed her, right? <laughs> but the, the trick is, the prank is that there's an exit out of the back of the outhouse. So that person has to get in there and then get out and, like, jump a fence before the truck hits it. So you have, like, a 30-second window. But that was scary because these aren't stunt people, you know. They're just normal people, and if they don't get out of there, they're going to really get run over. So I remember that particular prank was – I was really stressed because I was like, man, I don't want somebody to die on my set for a damn prank. That would suck, you know. Like, But, <laughs> but luckily we got through it. No one got hurt. But that, that, that particular one – you know, I was, that potentially could have went bad if, if something would have happened, which sometimes stuff happens on set. Sometimes, you know, accidents happen. So we, yeah. we were as safe as we could, and we had safe word and we had signals and all that. But still, you never know, something could go wrong, you know. So that I was that one stressed me out, man, big time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Was there ever a, an intention on maybe doing a sequel, or are them guys not, you know?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know if there is or not. I haven't heard of one. Um, I know there's I, – I think they're represented by – at that time, they were all represented by the same company, which is Studio 71. Yeah. Uh, so it was easy to bring them all together, and they knew each other, and they had worked together and all that, especially Chase and Roman because they were both from Ohio. <clears throat> but now I think they have different managers and, like, Vitaly – you know he's do, he's got his own brand, the Vitali Villains, and he's going like he was just in visa. So I think it'd be really hard to get them all together again because they're all doing three three different things, kind of. But yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I mean that's not to say it couldn't happen. I just don't know if there's anything on the horizon for that.
2: Oh yeah. Like especially, I guess, you know, Roman just got done, he just got married recently, didn't he? Yeah,
3: yeah, he did. He Finally, sure
2: did. finally d- took the vow.
3: <laughs> yeah, he finally uh, proposed to Britt, yeah. Yeah, they're really cool, man, They're and if they, uh sometimes if they're in L.A. and I know about it, we'll, like, go out to dinner or something again, but, uh, and, and between yeah. me living in Thailand and them being in Ohio, it's not that often we get to see each other anymore.
2: Yeah, well, man. That has to be a reward, like you said, rewarding, a rewarding to get to, you know, work with people like that. But uh, have you worked in – what other things have you worked on?
3: Like I worked on Dude, Where's My Car? with Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott and Jennifer Garner. I worked on High Crimes with Ashton Judd and Morgan Freeman. Uh, On -hmm. Black Knight with Martin Lawrence. Lifeline was with The Rock. Uh... Uh, let's see. Black Beauty had Luke Perry. He was from Two One O. I did. What else did I do? Uh, House of the Rising Sun had Dave Batista. I actually have a really good scene with Dave Batista. He's in all those Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah. Uh, he used to be a wrestler. Um, oh, yeah. I've I done three movies with Danny Trejo, the machete guy. Um, I worked. With Dean twice, uh, a bunch of fighters. Like I've done it back in the day, I used to do a bunch of uh, UFC movies with um, grindstone Lionsgate. So, like Kimbo uh, Slice before he died, and Heath Herring, and uh, the Biz Bing, and uh, Dan Henderson, and people like that. Uh, worked with Biling a bunch, worked with a bunch of Korean, real famous Korean actors. Um, uh, I was in a scene with George Clooney in the and in Sol- in the remake of Solaris, and did a show with Angelina Jolie. Recently, I did a show with uh, Kirsten Bell, and I was just uh, an extra. I still do extra work, by the way, uh, on uh, Superstore, which has America Ferrera, who's from Ugly Betty. Just all kind all kinds of stuff, man. I like, I did I did a bunch of big Indian movies with Compton. He's like they call him the De Niro of. Uh, of the India. he's a really big star out there so all kinds of people over the years man a hodgepodge of uh, up-and-coming people and really established you know I've worked with Oscar winners and Emmy winners and, uh, all kinds of people man all kinds of people. uh you know like I worked with uh, I did United States of Leland that one movie alone had Don Cheadle Kevin Spacey Chris Klein Ryan Gosling uh, Jenna Malone that one movie had like 10 stars in it (laughs) wow oh Um, man i did uh i did the wash with snoop and dre and eminem and don juan magic bishop magic Juan, i did that like uh on my my (laughs) had
1: to have been a fun project
3: (laughs) yeah it's so funny because the first time uh i always tell people this joke but when i uh the first time i met dr dre i uh I knew his security because I was work, working in production, so I had to deal with them on a bunch of security stuff and logistics. So I already knew them. So I went to his trailer, and they the security answered the door, and they're like, "Oh, dude, what's up? What you want, man?" And I'm like, "I'm here to hotbox with God, man. What's up?" It's with God. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Dre loved that. Dre cracked up. So he's like, "Get in here, white boy. Come on." So, we had a lot of fun, and Snoop was like a big Snoop soup was awesome he was like a big kid he used to just like uh you know, like skateboard around he'd have like three joints behind each ear you know and he would just like chill people cool. um i gotta know i gotta know yeah. did you smoke with soup
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
3: you gotta smoke with soup man you have
1: to it's it's like laws of nature <laughs> even if you, yeah even I if mean, you're I not a Marcus. smoker
3: Martha Stewart probably smokes with Snoop. Come on, man!
1: Everybody, I would like to sit in on that session. Oh,
3: that would be great. Yeah, that
1: would be great. They should do a podcast. Of, oh my God! <laughs>
2: hey, they yeah, should do exactly. a podcast of him and uh, her just smoking and oh, man, talking. That'd
3: be hilarious. That'd be so great.
2: And yeah, man. then, and then she can go cook them some food.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. do that right. Hell yeah. yeah. I just, God, I, I mean, man, still, I did uh, the wedding planner that had J. Lo and Matthew McConaughey. I did Bedazzle with Brendan Fraser and uh, uh goddamn super hot woman. I can't. Remember. Oh God,
1: what is her name? Elizabeth just, Hurley.
3: Elizabeth Hurley. Yes, yeah,
1: she's a ten. Oh God, my God,
3: she's <laughs> one of the like you know all the time. I've seen a ton of A-list actors and actresses in my day, but Elizabeth Hurley was so beautiful in person like some actresses like in person they look okay they look normal um but she was like she like glowed like when you saw you could see her from like a hundred yards away and you were like who is that woman way over there because she's amazing like she'd had that kind of beauty um wow yeah she was she was a knockout man and just a cool person too uh but yeah all kinds of stuff man i mean if you go out on IMDb, you can check out my uh, list of credits, and they just go on forever. <laughs> That's Mel Gibson. Awesome. I worked with Mel Gibson on a prep for a movie called Paparazzi. He was insane. He was like, he's a crazy guy. This was, uh, like in real life <laughs> or in the movie? Yeah, no, he is. He's he's like he's like super high strung and like high energy, and he talks a mile a minute. And he's got like ten okay. kids, and it's like all over the place, and like. Just like his character in uh, the Weapon, he's kind of is that guy. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I worked with uh, Margaret Cho. I worked with uh, Penelope Cruz, Robin Williams, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., Claire Filani. Like, I, I mean, a million people, man. It just goes on forever. Jason Biggs, Allison Hannigan from the American Pie Work with those guys. All kinds of people.
1: Allison Hannigan's, mm-hmm. oh, she was just so awesome. I remember like. Everybody remembers her from American Pie. I still remember her
3: from Buffy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: She got in some some girl on girl action in Buffy, didn't she? Uh
3: she yes. Did. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't mad enough to ask Whedon. I don't know.
1: I will, off Tara. Re-
3: I will have to review that footage and get back to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm only- hard to go on record as saying fuck Josh Whedon for killing Tara. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah,
2: um, yeah.
3: She, I'm looking at it right now. She had a scene with a woman named Ayari Lamone. So, uh, it was her, Allison Hannigan, and Ayari Lamone had some girl-on-girl action in uh, an episode called "Touched," which is a great name for that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they so, can uh, touch each other while I uh, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. um so have you always been into horror or do you just...
3: Yeah. No, I, ever since I was little, I was like the kid, you know, that was always singing a song or doing a skit or being in a play or whatever. And then uh, that just kind of eventually led itself. Like I said, I was in the seminary for a while, but in the seminary they teach you about public speaking and uh, standing up in front of crowds and that kind of thing. So it's very similar to theater. And then I went to University of Georgia... I graduated with a degree in drama, so I learned acting there and stage and stuff like that. And then that eventually uh, transitioned into film because I right away after I graduated, I came out to Los Angeles and started being an extra. Like one of the first jobs I was an extra on was the first first season of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was in one of the very first episodes just as an extra, but it was a yeah. great thing, because I remember. You know, just what it was like to be on a professional set. It was so overwhelming and awesome. And then, uh, so I, I saw really...
2: Jude in, uh, when I was a kid. Yeah,
3: exactly. yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. You probably did.
2: All these years uh, later, I get to talk to him. Hell yeah. Uh, there
3: you go. <laughs> uh, and like I did this really cool, uh, in Georgia, like right after college. Um, I had, they used to shoot in the heat of the night down there, uh, in South Georgia, you know. And I and I went to UGA in Athens, so I'd heard about it. So I just drove to that town, and I was like, I would ask people, I was like, "Where are they shooting that TV show? Where are they shooting that TV show?" And eventually, I found them. So what I did was I went to their casting trailer, um, and and I said, "Hey, I want to be an actor." <laughs> and they were like, "Who are you, kid?" And I was like, "I was like, yeah, I'm studying drama." And they and they were like, "Well, do you have a headshot and a resume?" Involved. And I was like, "No, I'm like, I'm just a college kid." So they go, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a Polaroid of you. That's just back when people used Polaroid. And they they were like, we're just going to take this Polaroid and we'll keep it on file. And I was like, cool. And then like two years later, I got a call out of the blue and they said, hey, did you ever go down in the heat of the night? And I was like, yeah. And they said, hey, we're doing this movie called Andersonville about the Civil War prison. And we need people to act in it. But it's like all summer. It's like three or four months of – work and I said hell yeah and that was uh that was like one of my second or third big experiences on a movie set and uh you know like William H. Casey was on that Ted Turner produced it Jane Fonda John Frankenhammer was the director who's a Oscar award-winning director so it was a great experience and I was there for like three or four months so I really learned the uh the process of of you know seeing behind the scenes of of what all goes into making a professional film so that was a great experience for me
2: i've always wanted to see that in person and stuff because i say it's very interesting and then someone said you'll see a lot of people just sitting around for long periods of time
3: (laughs) it's true it's true because the the film business tends to like you have to be prepared for everything and the result of that is you know like everything is so expensive so every minute is costing you a ton of money. So the result is to keep from having problems that are going to stop the camera from rolling and, and make us feel behind schedule. It's cheaper to pay extra people to cover that one little thing that no one else needs until they need it. Right. Like like turning on the giant effects fan or, you know, like turning on the water hose in this shot to get rain to come over the windowsill or whatever that thing is. It's cheaper to pay one guy or one woman to do that job than it is to have the production stop down for 10 minutes so the guy can go find the hose to do that job. So the result is the other 11 and a half hours of the day, that guy with the water hose isn't doing anything. But for that 15, 30 minutes he's needed, he's the most important guy on the set. <laughs> Everybody gets a moment. Yeah, exactly. I need to find.
2: I need to start going places where I can just get paid. To be twelve hours of work and just stand there and watch a movie be made and get paid. Yeah, it. yeah, that's right, that's right. Hey, I'm a, I hold the water hose. Anybody needs somebody. <laughs> exactly,
3: exactly. <laughs> that, I don't know what you would call
2: that on a IMDb. You credit. gotta get
3: yourself. You gotta get yourself in the water hose union. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Water yeah. hose operator. Who?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what is, I can't remember. I asked somebody before, but I forgot now. What does a key grip do?
3: So, key grip is so each there's like maybe 15 or 20 departments on a film. Grips are the guys that take all the big equipment and they move it, or they or they ratchet it, or they rig it. So, like C stands, sandbags, all the stands, the big combo stands, uh, the cranes, the, all that kind of stuff. So they move all that gear. So what a what a the grip the key grip is. Key is what we call like the main guy, the highest up on the totem pole. So the key grip is the main grip, and then the best boy grip is the second in command next. So he's like the key grip's right hand man. So the key grip might go around with the gaffer, who's like the head of lighting, and the gaffer might say, yeah, I want a 4K over there. I want some park hands over there. I want a 12K over there. So then the key grip goes around to his best boy grip and says, Okay, we need some combo stands over there we need to rig that fan over there. We need a bunch of sandbags in over there. We need a family of apple boxes over there and all that kind of thing. And then the best boy grip, uh, helps get up that whole grip team, uh, move in on all that stuff. So it's basically, it's very, very similar to the military. In fact, um, a lot of our terminology in films comes from the military. Uh, it's been borrowed over the years and kind of bastardized into our own version of military language. But, yeah. um, the hierarchy is very much similar to that so like you know you got your five star generals and your lieutenants and your corporals and your privates all doing whatever they're told from their higher up so the best, best boy grip is a second in command to the grip and then the best boy electric is the second in command to the gaffer and those two people the gaffer and the key grip answer to the director of photography who is in charge of picking all the shots and the the angles and all that kind of stuff
2: i guess you got your camera operators too right
3: yep so that in camera you got your camera operators and then your first ac first assistant camera second assistant camera focus pullers you got a dit who's taking digital cards out back in the day when we shot on film you know you would have someone who changed the uh, magazines of film out and then they called a camera loader they would load it in the camera then they would take it into their uh into the dark room or into their tent and, and roll it back up and make sure it doesn't get exposed and tape it, label it properly, and cut off the short end and all kinds of stuff like that. But nowadays it's just cards, it's all digital. So they swap out cards, and then they immediately back them up a times three or four, clone them, and put them on hard drives and ship them to editing and storage facilities or edit bays and all that stuff. So it just depends on, but yeah. Wow. There's what?
2: definitely a lot of stuff that go into a movie, huh? There,
3: there is. I mean, the, like your typical, even your low budget, like, you know, you, you might have 30 to 50 people on a low budget movie. And then on a studio picture, you might have 350 people. And then on Transformers, you might have a thousand people behind the scenes doing stuff, you know, it just depends on the budget and what's going on in the shop and stuff.
2: Oh, Jesus yeah, man. When we I went to New Orleans and they were shooting I don't know what show, but we were walking down the thing and we saw them sitting up and man, yeah. they had like five or six trucks. Yeah. Yeah. And huge lights, Oh man, it was crazy. And I told my wife, I, was like, "I just want to sit here and see what's going on. This looks so cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So,
2: but I never saw what it was going on, but they said something about was it I can't remember what show that's filmed in New Orleans, but it was like a cop show or something.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, New Orleans uh, for a while had a really, I think they still do, they had a really great tax incentive for filmmakers where they would get money back. Um, for oh, yeah. every dollar was- you. Yeah, for every dollar you spend, you get a certain amount back for either as a tax credit or a tax rebate. Um, like have- I guess Georgia does it too. Well, Georgia has a great one. They have one of the best in the nation, which is why there's so much work in Atlanta now. Um, but, uh, yeah. But in, in Louisiana, there was a couple of lawsuits and corruption things, and uh, it took the industry took a big hit from that. But but I think they're recovering now. I think there's still a lot of things made there nowadays. Hmm. Well, I know it
2: ain't huh. no good to shoot in Tennessee. Apparently, it's the highest tax or they don't give no tax breaks.
3: Yeah, some states don't at all. So then the result is you're not going to see any filming there because uh, of that. Because all the studios and even the independents want want to get that money back. Because it's essentially, you know, it's like going to the store and getting a coupon. So are you going to go play full price or are you going to get, you know, 30 cents off the dollar? You'd rather go to that place and get 30 cents off the dollar. I mean, it's
2: just right. it's, it's just the bottom line. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's hitting us the hour mark. So, uh, man, Jude, we appreciate it, and uh, um, I Oops. look forward to what's coming for you. Um, cool. Well, you know, we're on Facebook with uh, friends and all that, so we'll definitely keep in touch, and uh, yeah. and uh, That'd guess, be great. I guess when you, uh-huh. uh, when you get... I guess to go back home, have a safe trip, and oh, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, cool. uh so, yeah,
3: yeah. I, I appreciate you guys having me, man. So thanks so much because any, any promotion we can get out for the incantation helps us. So I really appreciate oh, you yeah. taking the time for that. Uh, yeah, well, hey, no problem. That's, man.
2: that's what uh, Tennessee Horror News is about—is uh, indie, indie horror. So that's what we want to help. Right.
3: I love it, man. That's great. You guys are doing good stuff. Well,
2: we appreciate it. We appreciate mm-hmm. it. And, uh, yeah, cool. you have a good good night, good weekend. And, uh,
3: yeah. Awesome. Great. You guys, too. I'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. All, All right. right. All right. We're take it easy. Okay. See you guys.
2: See ya. Bye. All right, guys. That was Jude S. Walco, uh director, writer of The Incarnation. Uh What do you think,
1: Yeti? Oh man, he was such a cool dude. Uh had a good time. And uh if you guys are interested in the incantation, it's got Dean Kane in it. He uh spoiler alert plays like pretty much kind of the devil a little bit. It's a fun, slow burn with a good payoff. I've got a review up. It's uh still getting hit, so I mean go check it out. Uh there's a link to it somewhere on the Facebook page, you might find it on the reviews page, whatever. Uh, and then you go check out the movie if you like a little uh, psychological paranormal horror. A little slow burn, no jump scares, no bullshit. You know, it's, it's good times. Right. Um, Yeti, so uh,
2: we got something coming up next weekend. Well, You want to talk about it real quick?
1: Next weekend, uh, the 24th and 25th, right here in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee, we got Creepy Con, the Horror and Halloween Convention. Last year was the first year, and it was dope. There was yeah. just all kinds of artists uh, just shit feeling their wares, and there was, uh, like, hell of people in costumes. And, um, I mean, it's just a good time. This year, we got a killer lineup. Uh, uh, damn, the name escapes me, but she played Pepper in American Horror Story Freak Show. She's going to be there. Just be some paranormal investigators there. Our friends from Funeral Empire Designs and uh, Necro Crates are going to be there selling badass wood burning and uh, uh, little coffin shaped creepsake boxes, respectively. I'm going to be doing uh, astonishingly, astonishingly bad palm readings at the booth. Uh, we're going to be selling some art, and uh, we can just stop by, uh, talk some horror, you know, good times, good times. Uh, sure. Maybe, hopefully, they'll have beer there. We can have a drink. Uh, definitely come by the booth. I'm going to try to be live streaming so you can get up on the screen. Yeah, uh, it's $20 at the door for adults, right? Yeah. And yeah. 15 in advance, $5 for kids. Good time for everybody.
2: Yeah, John, uh, Johnny will be, Johnny is what he's saying. He'll be there Friday night with Yeti. And I don't know if Luce is going to be there Friday night, but I think Saturday Luce will be there along with me. So, uh, and Bradford is coming in from South, I think he's South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Hear that, ladies? Yeah.
1: If you hear could, that, yeah.
2: If yeah. y'all seen this dude,
1: this dude yeah. is fucking. Yeah, he's
2: he gonna have a. He, he needs to bring him a stick to beat the women off of him because. Yeah,
1: ladies, stop by and shoot your shot. I mean, I'm just. Yeah, saying. we're
2: gonna make him sit at the, <laughs> the table with no shirt on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So, so, so mean, bring you, beer. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You got these, uh, you got these other tables that got women with their tits out. Well, we're gonna have Bradford with his, uh, his pecs out.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah, hell yeah. Nice. yeah. I'm sure i might have to tell him about this and listen to it. Like, man, we, uh, <laughs> you know, you kind of got to do it now, man. We don't he said you would. <laughs> it's public,
1: the people know.
2: Maybe he can do like the uh, what's his dude's name from uh, play Damon on next Friday. Uh, ty- uh shit. Terry Crews. Um, Terry Crews. Yeah, maybe over That's there bouncing my, yeah. his pecs. <laughs> I
1: don't love that, Motherfucker. But hell yeah. It's, Terry Crews is such a cool dude. All yeah, right. maybe he can do the peck dance. We'll get the ladies to throw dollars at him. It'll be a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, I should hey, totally can, come on out just for that.
2: Yeah, come on out. You know, we'll get Bradford to do uh, some a strip tease for y'all ladies to help donate to uh, Tennessee Horror News' MacBook Pro Fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Better than hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell yeah. Well, all right, y'all. Well, this is our, uh, as in wrestling, they call it go home to their pay-per-view. This is our go home show to, uh, to creepy con. So yeah. Well, by the time you hear this, which yeah. will be Wednesday. Well, yeah. What's well, Wednesday? You got two days, uh, before uh creepy con. So, uh, Get prepared, cause fingers crossed, Rafe will be ready. But I, I don't think it's gonna happen. Mm. But if not, I'm, mm. I'm bringing Leatherface. So hell yes. And I'm, gonna be sweating my balls off.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely.
2: But yeah, well, uh, Yeti, appreciate you coming on, and taking place of bitch ass Johnny.
1: Ah <laughs> man, it's, it's always a good time. I, uh, it's, but, it's it's fun when Johnny's here too, but even because you know even though he's a bitch ass, he's all right. My book hell yeah. <laughs> well, what we got coming on next uh, week?
2: Uh, well, we're going to be recording it tomorrow, but uh, Yeti, you're going to join us too, right? Uh, the director of Lunch Ladies will be joining us.
1: Oh fuck me, that's tomorrow. Yeah, five. Uh,
2: what five five, five? five your time? Five. Yeah, Central Time.
1: Okay, yeah, six here. I should be home by then. That should be fine. Yeah, I'll Well, just let me know cheap. to make
2: sure, because she's apparently going to – well, hold on. Let me, yeah, but let's we'll, we'll finish this up, and I'll tell you. So, uh, yeah, right. thanks, guys. Uh, join us at CreepyCon. It's going to be a blast. Uh, um, yeah, so check out all our social media. Uh, uh, social media. We're available. Yeah, all We're, of them. Yeah, hell yeah, we're available wherever wherever. fine
1: social media is sold. We are there
2: and on podcasts (laughs) as well. So um, yeah, yeah, check out everybody and uh, yeah, I need to put that on. Anyways, I'm trying to outro. (laughs) Well, appreciate it. Y'all have a good one, and uh, we'll see y'all at
1: CreepyCon. Stay spooky. Try not to be an asshole. Hell yeah!
0: All right, guys. So that was Judas Walko once again. Appreciate Yeti for. Doing the interview.
2: Yeah. Appreciate Yeti coming on and uh Yeah. Appreciate Jude coming on. It was a fun interview. We had a blast and uh Johnny's bitch ass didn't make it. So uh yeah.
0: But yeah. So I hope y'all asked all the notes that I took. Y'all better ask everything. Yes, we did. Nope, you lie.
2: They heard except for the ten awards.
0: Yeah, so yeah. So then were all my notes, so I did watch the movie. But um so fuck you guys. <laughs>
2: So yeah. Taking my football
0: and I'm going in.
2: <laughs> Creepy con,
0: be there. Yeah, be there. Or be square, bitches.
2: So that's all we got.
0: Yeah.